Hey, welcome to the Travel to Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Runcie. Today, we're going to switch it up a bit. There is no interview, but we're going to talk about two topics briefly. First, we're going to talk about Jay-Z selling 50% of his Ace of Spades campaign line to LVMH. And second, I'm going to do an audio version of my most recent essay on TikTok. The essay has made the rounds. It continues to make the rounds. And it's always good to have an audio component for that, especially for the folks who may not have gotten a chance to get to it. So first, let's start at the top with Jay-Z. So earlier this week, the news broke that Jay-Z sold 50% of his Ace of Spades champagne company to LVMH. And this is a big deal for a few reasons. First, just the sale itself. This was at one point the most valuable asset in Jay-Z's portfolio. Forbes had valued this champagne company at just over $300 million a few years ago when Forbes had announced that Jay-Z was a billionaire. On Meek Mill's What's Free, Jay-Z himself had valued the brand at half a B or $500 million. He had that line where he said, uh, 100% of Ace of Spades, half a B. I think that's how the line goes. But you know, there could be some inflation there. There also could be some conservative estimates there on Forbes, but I feel pretty confident that the valuation, at least at that point, was somewhere between $300 million and $500 million. So to sell 50% of that is a huge deal, especially considering that this is a brand in many ways that started in 2006. And it's a company and a brand that started in many ways, at least Jay-Z's involvement, as a response to the racist remarks from Crystal. So anyone that has listened to Jay-Z for years has known since the reasonable doubt days he had been repping and throwing plenty of props and prominently featuring Crystal in all of his music videos, whether it is um, Excuse Me Miss, where he's talking about, you know, it's not just Crystal, it's Crystal. And pretty much any Jay-Z album that there was leading up to this point, there was a Crystal shout out. He was probably the biggest pioneer in hip hop. But all of that changed in 2006 when Crystal's managing director, Frederick Rousseau, had responded to a question in an Economist magazine where the interviewer asked if the association with rap's bling bling could hurt the brand. And Mr. Rousseau was quoted as saying, quote, that's a good question, but what could we do? We can't forbid people from buying it. I'm sure Dom Perignon and Krug would be delighted to have their business. End quote. And you could imagine the type of response that that got. I think for a lot of people, especially in um, that have been following the hip hop generation, their first exposure and knowledge to Crystal was through hip hop. And here is the person that is leading this brand disregarding this culture. Of course, this is not the first time that this has happened in hip hop. There were rumors of it happening with Tommy Hilfiger in the past. Timbaland had had plenty of challenges with how they had shown respect to so many of the hip hop artists, especially those in New York in the 90s and the late 80s that were repping Timberland. So it's it comes to the territory. But what was different about this one is that Jay-Z took a stand. After the interview came out, he said, I view his comments as racist and will no longer support any of his products through any of my various brands. The 44 Club will now exclusively carry Dom Perignon and Krug as its high-end champagnes. 
But not soon after Jay-Z made that statement, he then was able to get involved with the launch for Armand de Brignac and had got 50% of it and then had prominently featured it and made a point to tell people in all of his songs that we are done with Crystal. This is what we're moving on to now. So if you remember the Show Me What You Got music video, Jay-Z had repped it there. There was also another song on Kingdom Come where he talked specifically about this. And he continued to do this even as late as 2009. I think there was that song on Blueprint 3 onto the next one where he was like, used to drink Kristall, but the motherfucker's racist. It was something like that. But Jay-Z clearly set the tone and... It's kind of fascinating if you look back on it. Jay-Z literally said, nah, we're done with Crystal," And the rest of hip-hop culture was like, bet. And it never came up again in another hip-hop song or music video or anything like that, at least from my knowledge. There are, of course, plenty of other things that Jay-Z tried to dead or stop that didn't quite work that way. We all know that Death of Autotune did not go according to plan, but it is still very impressive what he was able to do from the Champagne perspective. So as I mentioned, he had 50% of the brand initially in 2006. By 2014, he was able to acquire an additional 50% stake to then own 100% of the company. And at the time, Forbes had valued his 50% stake at around $50 million. So we could assume that the brand was worth at least $100 million in 2014. So if you fast forward then to 2019, from what Forbes valued it at, is worth over $300 million. And even if we conservatively assume that it's still worth the same that it is then, that is a pretty nice exit. So Jay-Z, at a minimum, was able to get at least $150 million from this deal. And then that can be used to all of the other ventures and all the other businesses that he's done. Point that may seem a bit frustrating is that it really didn't hurt Crystal as a business. I think Crystal has still been fine. If you look up all of their sales, the boycott from hip hop didn't necessarily hurt them. But in some ways, the respect had already been and the platform had already been provided, right? Jay Z and plenty of others had spent so much time in the uh, in the mid late '90s, early 2000s, repping this brand that had already had the awareness. So it's not as if the shift necessarily happened from that perspective. Crystal had is a is a pretty big business. So even though it didn't necessarily hurt the company, I think there was still symbolism in the fact that Jay-Z was able to use it as a leverage point to create something from himself. So shout out to Hove and all of what he's tried to push there. And I think we probably got to give him a bit more credit too for having some pretty solid exits. I mean, you look at him being able to sell 50% of Ace of Spades, the money he just got from that. And even if you go back four years ago when he sold 33% of title to Sprint for $200 million, which value the company at $600 million, which was more than 10x what he had bought Title for when he had relaunched the company as Title a few years back. So even though Title has had plenty of challenges, there have been plenty of instances where Jay Z has had success being able to truly leverage his brand and bring it from and bring a company either from a obscurity or unknown place to something that is then worthwhile in the marketplace and then being able to make money from that. So salute to him, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with this deal moving forward. And now, here's my essay on how more TikTok stars can succeed in the music industry. The social media app is a launchpad for music superstardom, but the record label pipeline won't work for every breakout star. 
2020 was a wild year for TikTok. The company's rapid rise came with geopolitical pressure, CEO turnover, record label disputes, and censorship complaints. TikTok had more drama than James Harden and Daryl Morey in a Houston Rockets offseason. But the Chinese-based social network prevailed with 75% annual growth and nearly 1 billion monthly active users. It left the year stronger than it started. In the music industry, executives have mined TikTok data to find the next superstars. A growing ecosystem wants to maximize the ByteDance app's potential, especially in hip-hop, its most popular genre. But that energy needs more paths to success. Otherwise, there may be a generation of artists who won't reach their full potential. TikTok is modern-day MTV. In 1981, MTV's launch changed the music industry forever. Music videos turned stars like Madonna and Michael Jackson into superstars. MTV became the music industry's marketing channel to sell more albums. It was a commercial and cultural phenomenon. I Want My MTV was a lifestyle. TikTok has that similar influence on today's culture. It's not the home for traditional music videos that YouTube currently is. But YouTube didn't change how artists make music. It just made music videos on demand. TikTok learned from Vine, RIP, and built a platform that rewards user-generated content focused on music. As a result, artists are encouraged to make catchy tunes and dances that fans can easily replicate. It's a two-sided relationship that led to Drake's Tussie Slide, 24-karat Golden's Mood, and brought back Southern anthems like Ying Yang Twins Say Ay Ay Ya. If TikTok expands to three-minute videos, which is something that it rumored doing, it will be the perfect length to include full songs, not just sound clips. The TikTok wave has been called out for its gimmicky nature, but critics said the same about MTV. Here's music attorney Michael Guido in a 2004 interview with PBS. Quote, I think MTV was the beginning of the end for the recorded music business in that it solidified a mindset that exalted marketing over substance. It made the record industry a one-trick pony. It became only about a three-minute single and a visual image, and if you don't have the three minutes, you are over. Once that quarter was turned, we started on the path that led us to this moment here where kids are treating music as disposable. MTV, end quote. MTV helped the music industry more than it hurt it, and the same will be true about TikTok. Disruption always attracts both critics and enthusiasts. It's part of the game. Rising stars need more than the established stars. TikTok's 2020 music report said that over 70 artists who broke out on the platform that year had signed major record label deals. It's an impressive stat since record labels signed 658 artists total in 2017. In 2020, the platform helped push 90 of the songs that are charted on the Billboard Hot 100. It's why United Masters and other distribution services have partnered with TikTok. Most of TikTok's biggest users became stars on the app itself, but it's a different case in music. Eight of the top 10 most viewed artists of 2020 were stars before TikTok. This trend is not uncommon. Established clients often bring in the most money and get the most support. This trend has played out in several areas. Music distribution services often champion their safest bets. YouTube's top clients are the major media production companies. Venture capital firms have shifted more money to the safest bets to exit. 
And even WeWork, a company that branded as a solo entrepreneur's haven, is much more focused on serving large companies with long leases. Similarly, record labels are in the business of superstars. Yet most artists on the roster won't become superstars. The model is built to take on the risks. The risk is high for the 70-plus recently signed TikTokers. It's even harder to predict lasting potential in this microwave era of music, especially if the predictor of success is user-generated content growth. For instance, the number of people making TikTok videos using a song. For most aspiring artists, TikTok growth alone won't cut it. Here's TikTok's former director of music content and artist partnerships for North America, Mary Romani, who now works at Triller, by the way, in an interview with Billboard. Quote, when a song is having a moment in the app, the first thing we always recommend is to share TikTok content on their socials. Just stay consistent and engaged. We really try to encourage artists to stay active between spikes to maintain their growth and connection, end quote. Cross-promotion helps, but there's still some disconnect between TikTok and other platforms. Jason Derulo and Iggy Azalea peaked years ago as major label artists, but they've won on TikTok. They highlight the optionality and comeback potential that the platform offers, but they also show the need to segment artists and match them with the best opportunities. The TikTok to major label pipeline should not be a one-size-fits-all goal. The TikTok pipeline needs to be segmented. There are three broad groups of TikTok success stories. The first group is for artists like Drake. He breaks records on TikTok, but he also breaks records in streaming, billboard charts, and concert tours. His success subsidized other artists on Universal Music Group. The only place that Drake can't win is at Tyler the Creator's Camp Flog Nog Carnival when they boot him off stage. Otherwise, the Toronto Raptor is platform agnostic. The second group, though, is for artists like Megan Thee Stallion. She's TikTok's top artist of 2020, but her platform, but her power is platform dependent. Hot Girl Meg gets tons of coverage, but her 2020 debut album, Good News, sold just over 100,000 units in its first week. It sold less than Drip Season, the debut album from Gunna, her 300 entertainment label mate. Gunna's got talent, don't get me wrong, but he's not out here on the cover of Time magazine like Meg. If Gunna makes the record label more money than Meg The Stallion, but Meg is number one on TikTok, then the strategy for Meg The Stallion Inc. has to be different than for Gunna, the young thug protege. Her primary metric of success should not be album sales. The third group is for TikTok artists who have the potential to be like Drake or Meg, but the verdict is still out. The TikTok to record label track is imperfect since most labels are built to groom artists like Drake. That means Meg, an artist on her path, may be leaving money on the table elsewhere. And I drew a visual in the actual article that shows how the TikTok to record label pipeline looks. The challenge, though, is that some of the stars who wind up in that everyone else bucket who don't become stars or superstars based on the traditional pipeline could become the next Megan Thee Stallion if they had a little bit support. There's an opportunity for new TikTok-focused indie record labels and distributors to meet artists where they're at. These companies would be specifically built for artists who gain early traction on TikTok, Triller, or other short-form video user-generated content platforms. The new companies can hone their strategy, monetize their songs that pop on TikTok. They can still sell albums, EPs, and mixtapes, but it's only one piece of the pie. 
over time, if an artist on their roster shows the potential to sell tons of albums and to become someone like a Drake, they can level up to a major record label. But if the artist wants to stay on the indie label, use music as their loss leader and focus on other areas, that works too. This farm system would offer more development and help de-risk the talent from TikTok and more artists could succeed. And I have another visual here that just shows how the presence of a TikTok-focused indie music distributor to work alongside and even in some cases in lieu of the major record labels could work. This concept is not new. Companies like Human Resources and Empire have partnered with major record labels to serve rising artists where they're at. But it's time for more companies like that to emerge that focus on rising TikTok TikTok stars specifically. Every artist's ideal mix is different, especially today. But for each mix to be maximized, the next step for TikTok stars has to open up. Some of these lanes already exist, but some of them don't. Music culture is as multi-hyphenated as ever, especially in hip-hop. TikTok's not going anywhere, so it's time to make moves. If the company survived 2020, it's going to be here for a while. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend. Copy the link, text it to a friend, post it in your group chat, post it in your Slack groups. Wherever you and your people talk, spread the word. That's how Trapalo continues to grow and continues to reach the right people. And while you're at it, if you use Apple Podcasts, go ahead, rate the podcast, give it a high rating, and leave a review. Tell people why you like the podcast. That helps more people discover the show. Thank you in advance. Talk to you next week.